Hello, Awakened. Thanks for tuning in today. Your host, Jess and Z, will be presenting Episode 6, Allyship. It will be in a unique fashion, um, introducing some content in a different way. We'd like you to just sit back, relax, and absorb what you can. As always, we appreciate you listening. Be blessed. You're listening to Awakened in America, two minds on a journey to create dialogue about diversity, inclusion, and optimism. We will also be discussing um, or listing some names that are important to us and are also important to the movement to change America's ideas about diversity and inclusion. So we're going to honor some people today. So we look forward to having you listen. And I'd like to recap on a previous episode, if you don't mind. I discussed a religious incident where I had tuned into a church And I found that the pastor's message had fallen short in reaching out to people of color specifically and addressing some of the issues um, that have come up since George Floyd's murder. I want to thank that church located in Georgia for the pastor taking the time to actually mention racism and diversity in one of the subsequent sermons. I did tune in again. I did give them another opportunity. And I feel that people need to have second chances. And so I just want to say thank you if they're listening. And please continue to keep up the good work. Okay, well, Back to other things. So our list. You're going to hear some names of people who have fallen at the hands of those who are supposed to protect and serve. We know that it's a controversial topic, but despite that, we still need to remember that this is about human casualty and we'd like to take time to reflect and pay honor to those who have lost their lives. So please bear with us. And if you will, just give us a few seconds. Thank you. Dejan Kesey, David McAtee, George Perry Floyd, Drejan Sean Reed, Daniel Prude, Rayshard Brooks, Ramon Lopez, Elijah McLean, Michael Brent Charles Ramos, Michael Brown, Brianna Taylor, Manuel Manny Elijah Ellis, Javier Ambler, Tony McDade, Atatiana Coquise Jefferson, Derek Scott, Sterling Higgins, 
Amantic E.J. Fitzgerald Bradford Jr., Charles Chop Roundtree Jr., Janedu Okobi, Botham Shem Jean, Antoine Rose Jr., Saheed Vassell, Earl McNeil, Antone Black, Stefan Alonzo Clark, Aaron Bailey, Charlena Siobhan Lyles, the fetus of Charlena Siobhan Lyles, Jordan Edwards, Ahmad Aubrey, Tanisha Anderson, Tamir Rice, Chad Robertson, Deborah Danner, Alfred Alongo, Terrence Critcher, Terrence Liddell Sterling, Corinne Galens, Joseph Curtis Mann, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, Betty, Betty Boo Jones, Quintonio Legreer, Corey Jones, Jamar O'Neill Clark, Jeremy McDoyle, India Kager, Samuel Vincent DuBose, Sandra Bland, Brendan Glenn, Eric Garner, James Brown, Willie Ray Banks, Byron Williams, Carlos Lopez, and Derek Williams. We'd like to take a moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right, listeners. So that is uh, how we wanted to start the episode because Black Lives Matter has been an important hot topic since George Floyd, which happened in May. But as we can see from this list, and these are just the ones that we see documented, it goes well, well beyond what happened in May. And um, where we kind of wanted to start the episode was talking about this inherent fear of law enforcement that African-Americans have to learn at an early age and how it's validated by a list as extensive as this one with these people who Mm. were, you know, their lives were taken by law enforcement and quite frankly, the circumstances, um, you know, it doesn't matter because the point is the way that people are being treated is different between whites and African-Americans when it comes to law enforcement. So one article that came across my phone when I was researching for this episode was on people.com and it was talking about a NASA astronaut. His name is Leland Melvin and he has flown over 500 hours in space. And um, I think he's probably in his fifties or sixties at this point prior to being a NASA astronaut he was in the NFL. He played on a couple of professional teams. But the point of the article was, despite all of that, he is still afraid of the police. And when he gets pulled over, he still has a fear that he learned at an early age. And that fear is now he's had to pass on to his own son and explain to him the differences in the ways that he can be treated just because he's African-American 
and teaching him things like put your hands on the steering wheel. If you get pulled over, assume the position of 10 and two, tell the officer what you're going to be retrieving before you move your body, things like that, that has certainly never been uh, taught to me as a, as a white person. And I was really surprised reading that because here's a man who's flown to space and done all these great things for our country and to advance, um, you know, everything that NASA does for our country, but he gets pulled over for, you know, running a stop sign or for nothing at all. And he still has this fear instilled in him. Um, yeah. And I think that that's really valid. Um, there was a New York times, um, article this past June, uh, that was entitled three words, 70 cases, um, the tragic history of, I can't breathe. And they discovered that at least 70 people had died in police custody saying those words, I can't breathe. Um, if you look at the article online, it's really, um, it's really powerful because uh, they have it in such a way that it's almost similar to a PowerPoint where you have the words flashing at you. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And then it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's horrific. It's actually, it was, it was very painful to see that. Um, I knew that. I don't know why, I guess inherently, you know, there've been a few stories that have surfaced where other people have died at the hands of police and have said, I can't breathe. And it's come out recently um, because of the attention that media has paid to it. And um, I think that, you know, in creating this podcast and, and wanting to normalize the conversation between blacks and whites, you know, one of the things that Jess and I have discussed is that you're never going to be able to normalize it if you aren't willing to talk about the difficult things, the hard things, the painful things. If you want to brush those things under the rug and you feel like, well, it's going to be too painful for my friends or what have you. Yes, that may be true. But the sheer act of acknowledgement that you and your friend exist in the same space and that you're now tuning in to the injustice is showing allyship. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, Dr. King was able to accomplish because, uh, you know, the civil rights movement wasn't just a large segment of black people who, you know, it was also whites and there were other minorities. And so the same thing with the black lives matter movement, is there needs to be an allyship. There needs to be a partnership um, because if there isn't, we're never going to change things because it involves, involves everyone. I was just going to say as a, as a white person, it's become more apparent to me the privilege of white privilege and how we are able to ignore these headlines over the years and get to this point in my adult life where I'm just now realizing that this has been happening for so long and police brutality against African-Americans is a different thing. It's just a different thing. People are treated differently and we have to be willing to accept that 
as a fact. Um, if there are any, you know, law enforcement officials who may be listening, you know, due process is a right, not a favor. When you're in the heat of uh, a moment where someone may be carrying a weapon, it's understandable that you may feel like your life is being threatened because that's common sense. The problem is when you try to talk down a person who is white and disarm them. And when it's a person of color, you release the clip on your holster and prepare to fire. So I think that, you know, we need to acknowledge that her with just training, because training has already occurred. There has to be a um, sentiment, a mindset change. And it's not just putting more black police officers on the force either, um, because that doesn't do away with the systemic racism that caused um, crime, higher crimes in black areas or what have you. That, so we can't just address one issue, but we need to begin by acknowledging that we must become allies. If you're a white progressive and you want to get involved, get involved. If you don't know a black person personally, that's okay. But find ways to engage. Now that there's COVID, it's hard to do things like meetups and such. But there are listening webinars and there are conferences and there are ways to just be more engaged and in tune with the black community. And I think that if white progressives become more in tuned, then they'll start to understand the problems and then you'll become more empathetic and you'll also see that it's easy to get involved. It's not as difficult as you may think. It's just a matter of listening in, tuning in, looking for the information and then you know, also flipping to a channel. If a, if a channel is criminalizing a person of color, flip to another channel. I mean, that's, that's your right. So doing those simple gestures would be helpful. Yeah. And I know one of the things we talked about was educating our children on systemic racism. And that's a goal, obviously, that's going to be with us forever. And I was actually reading about that today and it was talking about you can have your child take a piece of string and kind of like wrap it all around their hands a bunch of times and then ask them to Mm -hmm. unwind it. And obviously they won't be able to do that most likely. And um, that's the point. You know, you can maybe get one knot undone, but systemic racism Mm -hmm. is so intertwined that it's, it's a lot deeper than that and making them aware of the the size of the issue, you know, at an early age, I think is something that we all could do. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, taking it a step further with the police, you know, the issues with police and this whole, you know, defund the police thing. um, It it has a real root and it's because of the way that African-Americans have historically been treated so differently. And, you know, there, you could say, well, there's a higher crime rate well, there's a higher crime rate in those areas because they're impoverished. Well, why are they impoverished? They're impoverished because of things like redlining and being um, deprived of, you know, mortgages in, in predominantly white areas and 
not being given access to the same quality of education because they are in a low-income area and school funding is tied to property taxes. <laughs> so there are real reasons behind this. And right. defund the police is actually a real thing because in places like LA, the crime rate is actually going down and police funding is going up. So right. and let's not just get rid of them, but let's make a difference. Exactly. A right. nonviolent treatment plan as opposed to taking someone's life. Yes. Unnecessarily. So, yes. yeah. And I am actually so uncomfortable having this conversation because of how sad it is. And there's no way I can express that, but I hope you know, as my very good friend, how deeply sorry I am for the level of involvement that I have just from being white in this. And um, I hope you know that it means a lot to me that you're even giving me this opportunity to have this conversation. I'm just going to pause for a second. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jess does this to me from time to time. And I always tell her, you know, there's, there's two of us. So if she wasn't willing to listen to me, you know, then it wouldn't work. So, and, and this is the thing, you know, the honesty, you know, I'm really amazed because I would love to say that Jess and I have been friends for years and years and years. <laughs> I went to school together and met right. back up. <laughs> but the truth is, that's not true. And somehow, you know, the stars aligned and we became friends through our children. And, um, and it's funny, our children are great uh, playmates, too. Like they like the same things, dinosaurs and things, yeah. and mine are girls and hers is a son. And it's they really blast. funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And, you know, and I feel like that's how life is. You know, some things are indirect and we look for indirect ways to connect. And we're all human. So we should be able to find ways to connect with each other, right. even if it's a simple conversation at a grocery store or a thank you to someone who does something kind for you you know, just, just being more present in your own life, you will probably find ways to connect with more people of color. Be more of a white ally. Yeah. And some of those things I read to talk about exposing your children to African-American practitioners, you know, seeking out a practitioner that's African-American. And if you can, supporting Black-owned businesses with your children, you know, and um, banking with African-American-owned banks and things that just show your kids that it's a diverse world out there, you know, and the, the toys and the books are important too, but there are actually a lot of things you can do. If you're not fortunate enough to have a friend like a Z <laughs> in your life, it's actually one of my friends asked me, how did you guys become friends? I, I really wish I could have that with an African-American <laughs> person so I could learn more about this and learn from them the way that you've learned so much from Z. I was like, honestly, that's not really something you can just snap your fingers and it happens. <laughs> It was like you said, the stars aligned, but if you can't do that, don't lose hope. Don't scare anyone <laughs> by asking them to be your African-American friend. Just come naturally. But um, there are other things that you can do to still show your support and show your dedication to the cause. Thank you for tuning in listeners. We want to end this episode by remembering George Floyd, as well as the many, many others whose names we read at the beginning of this episode and end it with a quote from Congressman John Lewis. We may not have chosen the time, but the time has chosen us. 
There has never been a more critical time for Americans to awaken and do the work that is necessary to begin to change the course of this country's narrative. Even though it is a low point, it can also be a turning point, and we hope that you'll join us in seeing this as a turning point in all of our lives. Thank you for listening to Awakened in America. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Awakened in America. That's Awakened underscore in underscore America. And remember, be mindful, be grateful, and most of all, be you.